Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. This is episode 10, How to Do Risk Identification. Well, we've been discussing over the course of several episodes high-quality risk assessment, which is the term that I give to the risk identification and assessment procedure that differentiates it from uh, an informal or ad hoc approach to identifying risk. So finally, after quite a lot of preparation, we can turn our attention to setting up and running the risk identification session. In the last episode, I was discussing several risk ID methods drawn from a conventional source, and I questioned whether they could really properly be called risk ID methods because they addressed different things, such as how to get at the people involved, or how to get at the content, or how to uh, think about things with regard to risk. And what we really need is a comprehensive methodology that looks after all of those aspects. So after a fair bit of experimentation in the early years, um, I finally came to the conclusion that the best way to identify risk was to use the roundtable of experts approach in most administrative situations. One of the main difficulties with using this method is to get people to agree on a meeting time, especially senior people who are busy and who, uh, you know, arguably have other priorities they won't agree to a lengthy meeting, and it's difficult to to coordinate their schedules and so on. So that is the main problem. But that problem uh, starts to dissipate a little bit when people start to see the value that risk identification really brings to any given program or project. So despite that difficulty, there are several advantages that accrue to using a roundtable of experts for risk ID. The first one is that you've actually got a group process rather than having isolated individual responses through questionnaires or interviews. This means that everyone's going to be identifying risk using the same definition and concept of risk. It also means that at all points in the discussion, first of all, there is a discussion, but at all points, each person will be able to see in the other participants what the varying views of risk are from different job functions. And so in this discussion that ensues in identifying risk, they can start to understand one another's motives and the imperatives that are demanded by one job function or another. So that results in a risk assessment that is balanced and well-informed. It also enables mitigation action to be decided upon and coordinated much more easily. So you can imagine the possibilities for team building are really significant using this method. You can get people around the table who normally are at cross-purposes, they're at, at loggerheads, but when they're focused on a common context, trying to assess risk and move something forward together, then uh, they really start to cohere and work as, as a team. Now, there's another important advantage to using the roundtable of experts method, and that is that it's it's very efficient um, within the constraints of the limited time and resources that we have to conduct risk ID on any given topic. What you want to do is map the person years of experience against a certain context and elicit all of the various ideas of risk um, to the maximum degree possible. And the best way I found to do that is indeed in this roundtable session. 
Alright, so if we're agreed that the roundtable is the way to go, then the next step is to select the participants. So I assume, first of all, that there's the uh, risk champion or the chief risk officer. That is the person who's taking the lead in the risk identification. And then that person is working with, let's say, the project lead, the person who is the head of the department or the project manager for the topic under discussion. So that person will naturally want to invite the people who represent the key functional areas of the project, the finance person, the IT person, the engineering, and so on. I can offer a couple of guidelines. First of all, don't invite people who are at different levels in the hierarchy, because it just means that the people who are at the lower levels are going to feel rather embarrassed, sort of constrained. They won't really feel free to identify risk. They won't feel comfortable identifying risk in the presence of their superiors, and so it's much better to conduct separate sessions, each dedicated to one hierarchical level or another. And my next suggestion has to do with the number of participants. If you've got too few, then it's simply not enough people to generate a rich discussion. And if you've got too many, then it changes the dynamics of the session. It becomes more like a lecture format. So what I've found through experience is that roughly six to eight persons seems to be the ideal number, plus the facilitator. So in preparing for this session, as I suggested in an earlier episode, what you want to do is um, take that context paper draft and shop it around to the various intended participants. Get their feedback on it. The advantages are really great because that means that they've had a hand in actually establishing the scope and the assumptions that will go into the discussion. So I'll repeat a warning here. If you don't do that, then you're likely to waste a lot of valuable time at the beginning of the meeting just getting core concepts agreed upon, and you may not even have time to finish the risk ID session, and you won't be able to convene another meeting for you know quite some time, especially if it's with senior people. In addition to the context paper, you'll want to prepare an agenda also, just like you would for any meeting. And the advantage there is that you'll be able to uh, point out to the participants, the points of the agenda, the deliverable for the section, which is also reiterated as the last item in the context paper, just to reinforce that that notion. And it just uh, is a good facilitation tool to keep people on track, not to mention uh, a good tool of due diligence to act as a record to show who was invited and who showed up, who participated. So other aids to facilitation that you want to prepare for the session are the uh, actual project document itself, which lists the goals and objectives, as well as any flowchart illustrations or any other graphics to refer to in the discussions, and the lists of risk categories, uh, that is, sources of risk, that you want people to review during the discussion to inspire people's ideas about what the risks might be. Now, at the beginning of the session itself, you'll, of course, want to review the agenda and review the context paper and really reinforce the idea of the, del- the deliverable for the session. And at that time, during the introductory remarks, you want to go over the guidelines for formulating a risk. Now, this is important because if you don't do this, you're going to have a risk expressed in so many different ways. You know, during early experimentation, we tried just using a few keywords to express a risk. We found that that didn't work. We tried using uh, longer sort of run-on sentences or even paragraphs to describe a risk, and that doesn't work either because that approach simply crams too many risk issues into one statement, and you can't assess that, and you can't manage it very well either. So the end result of that was to establish a set of guidelines to create risk statements. 
I created a blog post on just that topic. Just go to my website, riskcommentary.com, scroll down to the search window and type in risk statement and you'll see the blog post there. The great advantage in following such a set of rules is that you'll have a, a body of qual qualitative information that is a whole bunch of text that is uh, put together in a consistent format. That makes it much easier to aggregate and analyze. So by way of preparation, or even during the introductory remarks at the Risk ID session, you want to review this um, set of guidelines for formulating risk statements, give one or two examples so people get the, the hang of it, and at the same time, repeat the definition of risk so people really have reinforced in their minds the idea that it has to do with identifying the uncertainty that will impinge upon their ability to execute on planned goals and objectives. Well, at this point, you're ready to begin the risk ID session, and you might feel a bit of a hesitation as to how to begin. Um, if you do, just perhaps turn to your uh, project lead and ask that person to kick off to perhaps uh, suggest the most um, obvious or one of the most important risks uh, that has been on their minds. And that will be a way to formulate the first risk, get it into the risk register, uh, demonstrate the method a little bit, and just uh, in general break the ice and, and get the discussion started. Now, as facilitator, what you want to do is be very clear on whether you're facilitating or you are participating as uh, someone who can actually help to identify risk. And that is fine to do both. Just make it clear on which role you're undertaking at any given moment. And to facilitate the session, it really is a question of uh, going around the table, tracing through that context paper very carefully, that is, going through the goals and objectives, piece by piece, step by step, and to elicit the various ideas of risk from each participant as they peruse and consider the various categories and uh, sources of risk. This is the best way, as I say, to map all of those person years of experience against the given context. Now, you'll have to exercise some judgment because... On the one hand, it's good to let the discussion run on a little bit. Let people start to, uh, as I say, you know, learn about each other's job roles, understand one another's view of risk, and so on. And yet, you don't want the discussion to go too far off track. Bring them back in gently to try to identify the risk uh, under for the goal or objective that is under consideration at that moment. There's a couple of other finer points that I want to try to describe. One is that people will quite often go around and around on a certain set of problems. But at a certain point, and I know I'm not alone on this because I used to compare notes with my supervisor back in, back at the office or in the kitchen, and we would find that we would we would be encountering the same thing. And that is that people tend to go around and around on a certain set of issues but we would always have to encourage them, yes, but what is the risk? In other words, what what is the precise uncertainty that is impinging upon your ability to execute on the given goal or objective? That is what we're after. So that kind of precision in thinking about risk is really beneficial because, first of all, it does away with the idea of just naming uh, general trends, conditions, and so on as risks. In other words, people cannot simply put up their hand and say, oh, uh, interest rate risk or demographic risk or something like that. So let's take an example. Um, let's say that your business is particularly sensitive to uh, U.S.-Canada exchange rates. Well, you can't suggest as a risk the U.S.-Canada exchange rate changing because 
that's already a problem that has been studied and accounted for, and it's the uh, response to that is already built in to your plan for action. If it's not, then we have deficient plans, and I already covered that in previous episodes on, on the planning function. So it's really not on to mention just a few glib keywords and say, well, that's a risk statement, or to discuss some general condition or trend that should already have been uh, studied and really taken account of in the design of the plans themselves. Another attitude that you might encounter, although this is somewhat less common, is that people say that their plans for action are already the risk mitigation. They've already taken into account all of the risk, and it's already expressed in their plans, and therefore there's no risk to discuss whatsoever. Well, of course, that's a misconception. You know, they might have well-prepared plans, and we want to see that, of course, but there will always be some degree of uncertainty with respect to their ability to execute on those intended actions. You know, there are a lot of finer points and nuances in the discussion of uh, how to conduct risk ID session and the things that will come up. And a lot of this I discuss in, in my book, and I, you know, I can't possibly summarize it all here. But um, the other thing is it's going to be contingent, too, upon your own personal style uh, and the culture that you're working with and how people process information, what their learning styles are, and so forth. If you find this rather daunting or even intimidating, um, don't worry. You can start just, you know, small scale. Just start with a small group of people on an experimental basis, maybe with some uh, department that needs help on some project and they're willing to um, help you explore the value of this method. The other point is that it's perfectly feasible to run this session uh, in tandem with somebody else so that you've got, let's say, a risk team that is working together to prepare the risk ID session, prepare all of the various aids to facilitation, the context paper, and even to conduct the session in tandem. That is uh, one person perhaps scribing and the other one leading and then maybe even switching roles. I should say that for the purposes of ERM itself, that is uh, an enterprise practice, the idea is to do skills transfer so that eventually everyone who's, let's say, a department head or responsible for managing risk at the project or program level is capable of preparing, setting up, and conducting a risk ID session like this. Well, in the remaining few minutes of this episode, what I want to do is to cast our minds back over the materials that we've been covering in the past several episodes and how that really prepared us and led us to the present point of actually being able to conduct a risk ID session. Now, the reason for that is because, you know, when you're considering new ideas or new methods, it often takes several iterations, several repetitions, even in, in different, slightly different words, to internalize and, and get the sense of, of what the, the whole thing is about. So let's just review how much we've really accomplished in our preparatory steps. First of all, we've considered a very specific definition of risk and risk identification, and we refined that notion to make sure that we're really focusing in on the goals and objectives. Second, we took the time to really appreciate the necessity for a comprehensive and really profound planning function so that we can make sure that the goals and objectives that are formulated are actually really well substantiated and well expressed. Further, we considered creating a context paper to define clearly the scope and the assumptions that go into any particular exercise of identifying risk on a given topic. 
And finally, we avoided some of the pitfalls that could have been encountered by following risk ID methods that are incomplete, um, that have some sort of a validity problem, or that uh, ignore the value of actually having a group discussion. In the first episode of this podcast series, I was talking about survey results showing that people were really having difficulty with enterprise risk management. And I traced the whole thing to, well, misconceptions about definitions and also a deficiency of methods. I think it's very unlikely that if you follow the suggestions I've been giving so far, you will find yourself in the same boat uh, as those survey respondents. That is, you won't find that your risk ID session simply is just a vague rehash of familiar issues. No, you're actually going to be conducting a session that will deliver something much more profound than that. Here's my suggestion for the description of the deliverable, a comprehensive list of risks arranged in several categories of analysis with criticality ranked and mitigation measures arrived at by consensus to inform an improved business plan. Well, to actually complete that deliverable, after listing all of the various risks doing the risk ID, we have to move on to risk assessment, and that will be the subject of our next podcast episode. Thank you for listening. Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.